And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm here, so <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw, like. <laughs> Howdy. I'm I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love Oklahoma. (laughs) I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You like oh, the yeah. hat? <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? It's, uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost we're through almost the preseason. There. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And boy, was th- the lights were bright last night, Al. Looking good yeah. out there. Uh, uh, just the fact that Giannis and Dame were playing made it feel like a very real game, even yeah. though, you know, in their defense, they were missing a ton of, like, all of their other good guys. Yeah. Truly. E- even though apparently I-, I was watching on mute, but I was following uh, some Bucks fans on Twitter, and they said that uh, the OKC broadcast team kept thinking that Robin Lopez was Brooke Lopez. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that happened. Uh, which, a few, which that is happened, very funny. That happened some. <laughs> like he could grow his hair out that quickly, and that he could be that bad that quickly. <laughs> as well. <laughs> Man, what happened to Brooke? <laughs> Brooke's terrible out there. He's not even taking. He's not even hardly taking any shots. He can barely move. Robin, <laughs> shout out to Robin Lopez. He is absolutely cooked. It is yeah. over. I, I, he's only on that team because his brother's on that team. He, uh, he set a few screens that he looked did. laborious, but did work. <laughs> he's big. Like that's that's what he's got going for him right now. Yeah, I, I, I felt bad for Robin because he at least. You know, in the, these last few seasons, has been, as he's been declining, he's had that hook shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's been good enough for people to write about. But last night, it looked like we were pretty close to the end of the road. Oh, yeah. With, I don't know. With no, Robin. I mean, we're, we're there. It, it ended. <laughs> you think oh, we're at it, the end of the road? I, I think okay. we can look backwards and see the end of the road. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I don't want to take too much away on the buck side yeah. of things. Yeah. Because uh, uh, they, they did look bad. And, and man... Well, one thing I will say is that you compare these two teams. Like, yes, the Bucks are, are a better team. You know, they have a higher over/under. All of that. They're probably going to win a lot of games. But 
in terms of like 15 man depth, like you compare those lineups at the end of the game <laughs> and the Thunder were killed. In fact, that's when they killed them. Yeah. That's when the lead expanded from like 10 points to whatever they finished, whatever the final score was. Um, and the other thing I would say about the Bucks is that even with those other guys coming back, you know, other than Middleton, like their perimeter defense, the, like the options are pretty limited. Uh, yeah. Like you you, you kind of have to bet big on Andre Jackson Jr. I was going to say, it's Andre Jackson, it's Bochamp, you know, like those are like the two perimeter defenders. Because when they were playing some of those like Dame campaign lineups. Holy smokes. It was just. They're going to get cooked. Just like, come on through everybody. Whatever you like. like Dame, it was, it was like from play one. I mean, there was, and this kind of leads into talking about OKC is how tough this team is to defend the fact that the best defensive matchup for Dame was Lou Dort. Yeah. So it's not like Lou Dort is some amazing offensive player, but he's so much bigger than Dame, mm-hmm. can blow by Dame, which he did on on a on an early play, even though Dame like got a strip and it went out of bounds. Like the fact that that was the best defensive matchup for Dame, it was such a hard team for them to defend. Yeah. It I mean, you think about great. especially two years ago, but even at times last year, the way that teams would overload on Shea, where you'd get these screenshots where it's like, you know, four or five of the other team are in the paint, all trying to guard Shea, and then you just have the other Thunder players on the perimeter. Dude, you can't do that anymore. I mean, you can try. <laughs> he's going to kick it out to Chet, though, and Chet's going to switch to three, or he's going to kick it out to J-Dub or Giddy, who aren't just capable as shooters, I mean, maybe capable of saying a little too much for Giddy, but the fact that both of those guys are super aggressive then at getting to the rim. Yeah. I mean, there is just no let up. There is no, it, it, it is kind of forcing Dort to beat you. Like, and, and that's kind of been what it's like the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. But man, the, the equation is so much harder because Dort can pass off to those guys too. Yeah. And as soon as one of those other four get the ball in their hands, like you have a new problem. It's yeah. not like you can just relax and like, oh, thank God they passed it. Like Shea passed it off to someone, and they can all pass. Is like, the, yeah, is the biggest thing for me. I mean, there was a Chet Mitzich pick and roll that was run last night, where Mitzich yeah. is the screener, the screener in that action. I mean, that just like blew my mind. Some of the stuff that Chet was doing, I know he's not Wimbenyama. And he's never going to get the pub that Wimbenyama gets. And I've said this already. That's good for him. It's uh, I'm calling it Chet Fuel because mm. he can't be Wimby, and that's okay. But it's Chet Fuel, man. He's he's getting fueled by like all this love for somebody else. And he blocked a Dame jumper. He's nailing corner threes after he's relocating to the corner. He's running a pick and roll where he's throwing this like cross-court, one-handed pass over to Isaiah Joe for a three. He's finishing around the hoop. I mean, incredibly efficient last night. He can get to the free throw line and make his free throws. Yeah. Defensively, he's just a monster. I mean, he's just exactly what they needed. Um, It's... He's so good. And it's... I think it's really... His attitude... It lends himself to this Chet Fuel idea that he needs to be fueled more and more because I think it's just going to make him better and better where he's like, people aren't noticing this? 
Like people don't care about this. They only yeah. care about this Wimby guy. Well, I like I need to show them. And I think that's a real thing. And I I think it might like accelerate his progress in some ways, which I think is so interesting. Um but yeah, he boy, just getting to watch him, it just changes everything about the way the Thunder operate, offensively, defensively. Just to have a seven footer that can handle and pass and shoot. And the shooting has looked has been more impressive. That was something that I was like, okay, maybe he doesn't shoot it well. Maybe he's thirty two percent from three this season. Yeah. And and that's okay. Like he'll develop that as it goes on. But he looks really good. Like the shot looks really good. It looks really smooth, really fluid. It's quick enough. Uh, and they're finding him. And so I don't know, man. He's and like, how how do you, how do you guard that? You know, like that's for a lot of teams, that's going to pull away their big from under the rim, which is just going to make life easier for Shea. Um, I I have a feeling they're probably going to face a lot of zone Mm -hmm. because teams won't want to pull their big away with, Mm -hmm. with Shea and J dub and giddy, like all these rim crashers. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just been super impressed. The The starting lineup just looks like the starting lineup is so good that it's hard not to think about last season and think like, man, how much better could they have been if Chet was just healthy last year? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talked about it like we knew it was a big loss, but the fact that that team still won 40 games and you see how big of a difference Chet has already made to the way they play mm-hmm. and how and how difficult they are to defend. I mean, I was looking back at their I was looking at cleaning the glass. Their offensive efficiency last year, they were 16. They were 16th in defensive efficiency. I've been so focused on what Chet is going to bring defensively and you know, wondering like how much can their defensive efficiency improve. But it's hard not to watch these preseason games and think like, man, could this be a top 10 offense? Because they are just so difficult to guard. Like If they have enough of these guys shooting, like if J-Dub can shoot, if Chet can shoot, I, I think we've seen some promising things from Shea just in terms of taking more threes. Took five last night. Um, yeah, in 25 minutes. Like that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, if, if they get that kind of shooting, and then you you add in the, the guys off the bench, like the shooters off the bench, man, I, I'm like, I'm feeling higher on the offense than maybe I was previously. They yeah. just look so good together. And any concerns I had about well, is Giddy going to be able to shoot? Well, we still have to deal, you know, with Dort doing some Dort things sometimes. So far, it just hasn't really been that big of an issue. Like, yeah. like the the good has outweighed any negatives of that five man unit. Mm-hmm. With all that said, it is still preseason. We are still seeing pre-season. limited <laughs> minutes of the starting lineup. We also saw them play against a Bucks team that was going at half speed. And yeah. so, the, like, I, ha- I have to take all that into consideration. Like, I, we can't I, – I just don't want people to trick themselves into thinking that that was the Bucks, and we did that, yeah, that was- to the Bucks. Like, we can't – that's not real because Dame was awful. Dame might have been, next to Robin Lopez, the second worst player on the court last night. Oh, no. You think it's the end of the road for Dame? I mean, we're looking back. There's the end of the road. It's over for Dame. Wow. No, I, wow. I don't think it's over for Dame. I think that on a normal night, he would be way more aggressive and would be a much better player than that. I mean, he had he was 2 of 11. He scored five points on yeah. 11 shots in 25 minutes and was by far the worst defender 
on the court. It didn't matter who, like you said, Dort cooked him. Everybody was just getting to where they wanted when Dame was on him. So yeah. I'm. Are there concerns about the Bucks? Yes. Is this what the Bucks will look like come the regular season? No, 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 no. The Thunder. But is this what the Thunder going to look like come the regular season? Yes. yes. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't want people to trick themselves into thinking that the Thunder played the Bucks and they beat them by twenty three points. And and the Thunder were missing like some good players on their team and didn't really have any bigs outside of Chet and Sar. Like I don't know. I mean, I I just want people and I've I'm always like for some reason becoming like the the wet blanket of the Thunder world. But I just want people to like understand that the Thunder did not beat the Bucks. They did look amazing. They looked amazing, and I don't think I'm, you can take that away from them. But this is not like the Milwaukee Bucks and what they're going to be in the regular season. So, but what I did love was like the balanced scoring attack that existed last night, where it was extremely unselfish and truly positionless. Like that's what you. That's like the the peak of what this team is going to be. And not only that, but it was a it was a bad Shea game. Yeah, like Shea didn't really have it going. He did, although he did have some like, especially in that first quarter, he had the step back three over mm-hmm. Giannis, mm-hmm. and then he had that sick crossover oh, yeah. on Dame into a mid range. He's so good. So like, it's there. He, he's obviously amazing, but this wasn't like some incredible Shea game offensively. And you saw some of the same things that we saw last year, where they were overloading on Shea yeah. when he would drive, but. It didn't matter. Like the the rest of the offense in that starting five is so good and yeah. works so well together that it just it, it covered it up to the point where you weren't even thinking about Shea's game. Yeah. The the thing about Shea's game that was completely on point was his defense. I mean, yeah, holy smokes, was he good on defense. That's the kind of what he did last night was so disruptive to what the Bucks were even trying to do. That it made me think, oh, like he could be the point of attack defender that for this team if if need be. And if Whoa, you're you're, you're saying new Dort. SGA's the new Dort? I'm just saying SGA's the new Dort, put him in the corner <laughs> <laughs> and let him just be the point of attack. No, what I'm saying is that I think that they can find situations where Instead of Dort, you you slide Oos in there and you play this like more of like jumbo wing lineup, and I think yeah. that it will work just fine. I don't think you're taking a ton off the table. One also because I know Oos like he took two shots, he made one of them, but I was outrageously impressed with him throughout that entire game with what he was able to do, with his ability to push and transition, his passing. He had like a full court pass for an assist. Mm-hmm. He had the wraparound pass and transition to Giddy for an assist. I mean, he just you can he just processes the game at a pretty high level, and you can see it starting to come together for him, where he's impacting the game. And not only defensively, I think he was going to do that already, but offensively, he's impacting the game without scoring, and I think he can shoot. But he didn't have to impact the game that way last night. And I think he was like a plus 13 or 14 in the game. And that 
kind of rings true for me with the way that he played. I th- I think I he was really impressive. Somebody asked me for Thunder After Dark last night who I thought will play the most minutes per game off the bench to start the season. I think it's going to be Jang. I mean, I really do. Well, well, yeah. So I mean, the news before that game was that Jay Will has a hamstring injury. Yeah, likely to miss the beginning of the season. Yeah, Kenrich has back spasms. They don't really have a definite timetable on it. Yeah, and then of course we still don't know when Poku might return. Yeah, and those three guys. If we were listing out who were going to be the backup center options going into the season, it would have been those three guys. Those are the bigs. Those, those are, are the bigs, bigs on the team outside of Chet. So I was sort of interested to see, you know, what what is like kind of the first evidence of what Mark's going to do? Like, how is he going to handle this? And Us was the first guy off the bench when Chet was subbed out. Mm-hmm. And it it wasn't necessarily that they're it, it was like a like for like sub i mean i think at that point I, I don't remember who milwaukee had on the court it was probably still rollo it, it, it wasn't like oh we're really worried about the center in this case <laughs> and i'm super confident in us being able to guard them uh-huh. but i did think it was notable that us was the sixth man in that case and i also thought it was notable that uh olivier sar and lindy got in in the first quarter mm-hmm I mean, we've been talking about, you know, who's going to be the final cut and all these things. And we know those guys are on two ways, so they're going to be on the team. But the fact that Mark is playing those two guys in the first quarter of a game where he played the starters a really long time, I think shows you kind of like the confidence he has in someone like a Lindy Waters over someone like a Trey Mann and the confidence he has in Olivier Saar. And I just have to say, Andrew, Olivier Saar, he was he was awesome. <laughs> he kind of was. Night. He kind of was, was that, really good. Did did the Chet Sar front line make you rethink what this team <laughs> needs, Andrew? I, I will say this. Okay, we've had all these conversations about you know, uh, especially national folk think that the OKC uh, they think that OKC need a bruiser. Yeah, you know, KOC bringing up the idea of trying to trade for Time Lord or whatever. Oh gosh, and we've, and we've kind of and we've pushed back against that. Yeah. However, I will say that if you can get a seven footer mm-hmm. who can pass yep and who can move around the court and who can occasionally take a three yeah like if they're seven foot like that's fine like it works like olivier sar worked last night with chet because of all of these other qualities about him yeah that yeah. didn't have anything to do with the fact of him being seven foot positionless like basketball man positionless basketball dude, that my favorite play of the game was sar at the three-point line with the ball on the wing passing it to a cutting chet who is who? Who just blew by? I think it was Thanasis. Yeah, and got to the rim over another guy, and and had a really like nice layup. It's sar time. It was sar time. It was amazing, and uh, and and there were other good sar plays too. I think he hit a three. Yeah, he did. I don't know. I I saw that, and I was like, okay, I get that we're not obsessed with getting a bruiser, but if you could find another seven footer who had all of these thunder guy skills. That type of a frontline pairing could work. Yeah, I mean, I think they found him. It's Sar. Maybe they found him. I kind. I've done a. I've done a one eighty on Sar. I kind of like him. He looked great. Be like, why is Sar getting minutes? Now I'm like, let's go. Yeah. All these guys are injured. Who cares? We got Sar. Like Sar had moments even last year. Like he played really well against the Clippers on the road. Yeah. Um, There's. I mean, and he's on a two way. You know, I think that they'll use him some at the beginning of the season just because they're going to need somebody yeah, big to play. They need a big guy every once in a while. And I think if you're Mark, I mean, he, one, he's been in the system long enough, you know, that you know who he is, you know what he's capable of. 
I I think you can feel comfortable just throwing him out there for like ten minutes a game, and then you figure all the other minutes out. Um, another like point is like Poku, get back quick because your opportunity is right now, my brother. You have a chance, Poku. This is this is your opening. You no J will JRE gone. Uh, J will out. Kenrich out. This is your time, Poku. Poku. Get back, Poku. The Poku Chet front line. Man, that lineup that they started the second quarter, a truly bonkers lineup. <laughs> when you think about that, no Giddy, no SGA, no J-Dub. Yeah. And it actually made sense because of Mitzic. Because yeah. Mitzic is out there, and he can he can run an offense. And you have him with Isaiah Joe and Aaron Wiggins, two guys who are good shooters, yep. who can cut, who both know how to move. Yep. And then you have Chet and Saar. And that bizarro lineup, like it, it felt bizarre initially when I was looking at it. I was like, man, none of the main guys are out on the court other than Chet, but it worked. Mm-hmm. It made sense on the court because of Mitzic. Like yep. when you have a guy like him, I mean, we talk about having ball handlers and playmakers, but like Mitzic is at another level. Like he, he is like a floor general yeah, in a way really that some of these other role players are not. Like he, he obviously has a different level of skill in that respect. Um, like he, was incredible. Like having seven assists, just racking them up. Yeah. Just, just passing guys open. Like I, I'm very excited about him. He, he has proven enough to me offensively so far to get me pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I, I mean, he just allows the offense to continue to run and they just do the same stuff and you throw him in there and his, his shot hasn't come along. He really, he really doesn't even take that many shots, but yeah, he, it's just able to find guys. I mean, this offense was made for players like him. He's he's a good ball handler. He is a, a really good passer. He's big enough to see over the defense for the most part. So like he's and he's gonna play big minutes for them. Uh and it's he's gonna be very helpful to this team, especially the second unit, where you feel comfortable throwing just about anybody out there with him and you feel like he's going to help generate good looks. Yeah, and I mean I mean and they're missing guys like Case and Wallace and Kenrich and Jay Will and you still feel good about the defense, which is kind of interesting. And like those guys are all just gamers. Like all three of those guys are going to play. And it's funny as we have kind of gone through the preseason all the lineups have been different. They've played different guys almost every night. And aside from the the Charlotte game, you kind of can like forget that guys are missing, you know, because they there's so many guys I think that they have in the rotation that can play that you at times forget like, oh yeah, they're missing the 10th pick in the draft. Oh, they're missing like yeah. their like heart and soul guy in Kenrich. He, and Jay Will was a was really good against Charlotte. And I I hate that he got hurt because I do think like he's gonna have a big year. But man, like th- that draft class is looking so ridiculous right now. That draft class is looking so absurd. Chet, J Dub, Oos, and J Will. Like that's that's just absurd. I mean that's just insane. And I know we felt that way about other classes, and it hadn't really necessarily panned out. Like this one just feels like really special. Like I, I don't know that ultimately all all of those guys are going to be like high level NBA players, but it sure seems like at least two of them are 
And then the other two, I've seen a lot of really positive things from both of them. Yeah. 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 There, there's a ton to be excited about off the bench. And I, I think that, you know, the big difference from previous years other than Chet is that there's like no record scratch players on the court at all. Yeah. At all. Zero. I mean, shout out to Bayes. I double checked because I, I was going through my, my son uh, went into my closet and found all the sports cards that I bought during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it was just piles of Darius Baisley rookies, Andrew, just piles of yeah. them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with these things. But yeah. it made me think like, oh, I wonder if Bayes is playing. He is getting minutes in the, in the preseason for the Nets. Yeah, uh, so that's I, good. I, I talked to, I was with Mike Smeltz in New York last week. And he said there's a, there's a little bit of Bayes hype going on amongst okay, the, uh, okay. the Nets fans. That's good, and and maybe he will make more sense in their offensive system. But thinking back to some of those games where it just felt like when the ball hit Bays, one, it was going to stop, and two, you just had like no idea what was going to happen next. Yeah, and th- that really doesn't happen Mm-mm. with this team. Mm-mm. I mean, the only time the ball really sticks is when it's someone like Shea who's like sizing up someone. He's a first team All NBA guard, so and like, you're like, great, <laughs> great, <laughs> yeah, cook him, yeah. Go get him. I mean, really, the only other guy that's like that is Trey Mann. Yeah, yeah. And as this preseason has gone on, I mean, I don't know how much you can read into preseason rotations, but, you know, Mark, one, consistently playing Lindy over him in the second half of last season, and then starting off this season by playing Lindy over him. I mean, if he's behind Lindy, he's so far behind. Yeah. Um, And I still think that Jack White would be the favorite if if they're just going to cut someone, mm-hmm. um, but he would nothing he would, would really he would actually sh- be the least favorite. He'd be the least favorite in, for the Thunder. For the Thunder, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if they got if they found a deal they liked, you know, maybe Jack White stays and and Trey is you know traded. Yeah. Um, there, there's obviously not a ton of pressure to move on from Trey just yet, but it's it's just really hard watching these preseason rotations, we already thought it was going to be difficult for him, but seeing how like committed they are to Lindy, mm-hmm. uh, who, who played well, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see the path forward for him. Yeah. That's why I kind of wonder if they do try to make a trade. And my guess is that they're making a lot of calls for Trey trying to find him a landing spot. Cause I think, if you sit Jack White and he just never plays, he's going to be just happy as a clam. You know, like he's just like, right. he's on an NBA team. It's amazing. Yeah. And he is going to be, I think he's going to be good in practice. He's going to be good to push those guys. He's friends with Josh. Like there's a lot of good things there. And like the, the camaraderie stuff with Trey is really good because I know that he and like Wiggs are like best friends and that everybody really likes Trey. And so like maybe that, but I just wonder. It, with Trey's like opportunity drying up, if he's going to be happy to be here, I think is a legit question. I think that would be a question for anybody that has his level of talent and that was drafted, you know, in the mid first round. That his they just have too many guards at this point for him to get a legit shot. And so I just wonder, out of respect for Trey, if they just try to find a landing spot for him. Um, uh, it would have been nice if he could have just swapped jerseys last night because probably could have gotten minutes for the Bucks. They yeah, I mean, they they need something off the bench. Who is that? I, I, I we didn't get to see the Ty Ty revenge game though, which is a little disappointing. 
That's true. I only got five minutes. Who was the green? I had never seen AJ Green before in my life from Northern Iowa. Yeah, shout out AJ Green. Right now. Shooter, awful, awful, atrocious defender that just has no hope <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, four for five from three, Andrew. Hey, Get your words. That's his, that's his calling card right there. That's his calling card. Uh, yeah. Uh, one 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 other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Giddy. I'd mentioned a few weeks ago, like. Yeah, yeah. Because this starting five is so dangerous, it's probably going to open up a lot of opportunities for Giddy because other teams are going to be kind of forced to put their f- at least fourth worst defender on him. And you saw last night where so often he's getting matched up with Pat Connaughton. And, you know, Pat Connaughton's an NBA player. He's he's served a, a good role for the Bucks. Yep. But just height difference alone, it was like four inches. Like Giddy just towers over him. And even though... Connaughton isn't some like shrimpy dude. He's not some like beanpole, you know, mm-hmm. like Giddy was able to just like go into him every single time. Yeah. And the majority of those times he was scoring. Yep. And I just think there are going to be so many favorable matchups like that for Giddy, because if another team has smaller players on the court and Connaughton, you know, he's, he's like six, five, he's not like super small, but if they have smaller players on the court, they're probably not going to want to put them on someone like SGA or yeah. on J-Dub unless they feel super confident in their abilities, Like unless it's like a Davion Mitchell or something. Mm-hmm. But if you just have a smaller guy, you're probably going to put him on Dort or Giddy, and those guys have the potential to just feast because they're going to be so much bigger than whoever is guarding them night to night. Yep, totally. Giddy was great. Just getting to the hoop. Yeah. Finishing. Finally got a call. Finally got, <laughs> finally got a call. The second half, I think. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling too great about the uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the over on, <laughs> on his free throw attempt. But he's he's finished. Like some of those shots are at are so difficult. Like the running bank shots that he just gets to go down. Yeah, are just. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he gets those shots to go down. But it's he's starting to get those with pretty good regularity. So I don't know. His driving looks good. I I asked on Twitter what are your main takeaways from the first four Thunder preseason games and got got a lot of answers. But I did get a Nikias Duncan uh, quote retweet, and I just mm. want to see if you agree with these. He said, "Number one, Chet's going to be a problem." Agreed. 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 Uh, two, the giddy drives from FIBA play have carried over. Uh, the about. drives have. Yeah. The calls have not. They have not. Uh, number three, Usman might be ready for some more. Now that's the kind of thing that I like to hear because obviously as as Thunder fans we're we're personally invested in Presti's draft picks turning out well. Mm-hmm. Um so when you hear it from a national person it's like okay maybe I can allow myself to get a little bit excited about this guy. Yeah. Who who like if you're just looking at the box score like you said like if you're not watching the games it's easy to say like oh that guy does, he's not doing anything out there. Yeah. You know, but you watch the games and you do see that he's playing like a very important glue role yeah. in a lot of these lineups. Yeah. Um, where he's not taking away anything. He's adding a lot with his movement and his passing, as you mentioned. I mean, what do you have like four assists last night? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, w- I would agree. I think he's ready for more. And then he said Kenrich still impacts winning at a high level. Those are his main takeaways. He, he does. He does. I saw that uh, Stephen No, he, he, which valiant effort uh, because I would never in a million years try to do what he did, which was rank the top 100 defenders in the NBA. Um, 
Yeah, I saw but that. I saw that. It. I wasn't. I was fine with where he had Ludor. I think it was around like fifty-one. 51. But I did think that Kenrich uh, deserved a, 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 like he's he's a better all-around defender. I think. I think he's the best all-around defender in terms of like how versatile he is and what Nikias just mentioned in terms of him impacting winning, which which includes both sides of the floor. But I just think Kenrich is so important to this team's mm-hmm. ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's ranked Kenrich 52. I'd, I'd bump him a little higher. Ahead of Jalen Suggs, Bruce Brown, Patrick Beverly, Chris Dapps, and Javon Carter. Yeah. Again, what a what a terrible exercise to make yourself do. I, I like just even hearing those names. I'm like Bruce Brown. I feel like Bruce Brown might be a little higher. It's, it's just such a hard task. You'd have to watch so much basketball to even start on a list like that. Yeah. It's um. It's very challenging. He's got his eye test rank. He has Ludor twenty third in his eye se- eye test rank, which I I totally understand that because yeah. he's a loud defender. When he, when he makes good defensive plays, you notice it. Um, I think his Darko ranking though was like in the three hundreds, three fifty one. I'd be interested in just learning more about like what what in the world is Darko mean? taking into account <laughs> that is getting Ludort ranked that low. Yeah, I'm assuming there are a lot of other players. I mean, in the three hundreds, we're talking about. I mean, there's only what like four hundred guys in the league or whatever. Yeah. So I'm assuming most Thunder players are ranked higher than Ludor, and so I'd just be interested in like, like almost why all of is. them would have to be. They'd almost have to be, yeah. Just because I mean, if you're three fifty one, you are one of the worst players in the NBA. Yeah. So I wonder why why that is. Because some of the other Darko rankings make sense in terms of who is ranked high. Yeah. So so what is it that Lou's not doing that they're they're wanting from him? The little algorithm. What does the algorithm want? I don't know. That's a good question. I really have no clue what the algorithm wants for Lou. Um, what's, what's he got to do? What's he got to do? Some other things from last night. Uh, Mitich to J-Dub, Aliyup from half court. That was, uh, very that was cool. amazing. It was great. It was <laughs> jarring in, in the good sense of jarring. It was great. Yeah, that was, man, the the just the level of skill on this team compared to like the post KD years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. There's oh no comparison. Gosh. This is. I, I said last night. This is the best passing Thunder team of all time. Yeah, and it's not. I'm not saying like overall talent. Obviously, there were like multiple Hall of Famers on those teams. Yeah, uh, but just like up and down the roster. The fact that you would see a play like that from a guy who's probably your fourth guard, mm-hmm. um, at least, mm-hmm. it's just it's just awesome. It's it, it makes it. They were already like pretty enjoyable to watch last year. Yeah, play playing a pretty like, but you but you would still see last year the offense would get bogged down, and I'm oh, sure yeah. that's going to happen this year. But as of today, it feels like the offense is just going to be humming, no matter who's on the court. Yeah. That's what gets me most excited. Like this is going to be beautiful to watch from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely no bogging of this offense so far. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, it'll happen eventually. They'll play a good team. Who's yeah, really good defensively. Yeah, and we'll be like, oh no. I know. I'm really like Chicago. Chicago, Chicago is kind of like a whatever game to me. That's their first game. Like they could lose to yeah. Chicago. Like that's possible just because like Chicago's got a lot of firepower, but. That's a, that's a that's a winnable game as well. 
Cleveland on Friday, next Friday, is like a, is a really interesting one. It's very interesting at the same time. Like, good luck to those guards. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. luck to Donovan Mitchell and, and Darius Garland. Yeah, they're going to get cooked. It, well, and the good thing for them is that they've got Mobley and Allen back there. Yeah. It's like, what does that look like? What, like, Giddy beats Garland and then gets all the way to the hoop to be met by Evan Mobley. Like, what does that look like? You know, I'm, who is getting pulled away from the rim because Chet is in the corner <coughs> now? Hey, see? I mean, and then Sars in the other corner. I mean, do you think Jared they Allen would away. start the game with Mobley on J Dub? Probably. It's probably Mobley J Dub. I mean, it was like Mobley, or it was a J Dub and Giannis last yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Dub, Dub has had to take on like so many tough assignments in the preseason so far. Like he's had Giannis, he's had Wimby, and he continues, he like gives full effort on defense and then is still contributing at a high level on offense. Like he's a really impressive two-way player for a second year guy. I mean, 18, six and three, two steals, six of 10, two of four from three. I mean, he, boy, like the ceiling is high for that guy. And that's in only 25 minutes. You know, you send that out to 33. Like what, Mm -hmm. like what does the stat line look like? Does he get to 25 and nine? I mean, maybe. Yeah, the the game I'm looking at uh, is the first televised game, November 1st against New Orleans. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> talking about J-Dub having tough assignments, you assume he's going to get the start against Zion. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, so. I think that's right. And and that's like a, another level. I mean, I, I guess not. No, it's, it's a different type of level. Giannis yeah. is obviously his own thing. <laughs> but having to try to stop Zion will be yeah. super entertaining. Yeah. Um, well, I just think this team, th- that, that'll just be a really fun matchup if both teams are healthy. Oh, yeah. What What did you think of Giannis just like bumping Chet to the moon every time that he drove on him? Um, I mean, we're that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's specifically going to happen with like the best players in the league. Yeah. Uh, Giannis gets easy buckets against everyone. Yep. I think the thing about Chet that gets you excited is that even when he gets bumped off his spot, he has the wingspan to recover a lot of times. Um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you can't. Sometimes mm-hmm. Giannis is just huge and dunks over you. Mm-hmm. But I think against a lot of lesser players, he will be able to recover and still make a contest at the rim. Yeah. Um, so even when he's getting bumped, you feel like it's not, all lost. It's not like, you know, one of these terrible defenders just getting bumped off their spot and just being bumped into oblivion. Yeah. Um, it's much different with Chet because of his length. Yeah. So it's going to happen. We're going to see stuff like that. Um, but he's been so good offensively that even those concerns that were talked about so much around his draft, mm-hmm. his offensive game is going to put so much pressure on those same defenders on the opposite end that I just don't think it's going to be as big of a story as people thought it was. Yeah. I think this, I think the story is going to be as much about how efficient Chet is offensively, how he's uh, spacing the floor for the thunder, how good of a finisher he is around the rim, how he gives them like a, a release valve, even like in the mid range. Yeah. I, I just think he's, he's, he offers so much to them offensively that any of those concerns are just going to kind of, it, there, there'll be highlights. 
people will post the highlights. Yeah. He'll get he'll get dominated by someone. Maybe by dominating up in Portland. Hey, okay. possible. Possible. But I just don't think it's gonna matter. More Chet fuel. More Chet fuel, that's right. And he's just gonna keep getting bigger, Andrew, just gonna keep bulking up. That's right. Eventually we're gonna get three hundred pound Chet and he's gonna dominate. That's right. That's where that's where this all is headed, obviously. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back. We'll talk about the trade from yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about down to dunk night and more. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back after that quick break. Hey, you can go to the Down to Dunk Twitter account and look. It's actually pinned to the top of the Twitter account. And you can click on a link that will take you to uh, a website where you can buy tickets to Down to Dunk Night with Down to Dunk and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, buy your tickets. Uh, Andrew, breaking news. Hmm. James Harden not present for 76ers practice today. No. Shocking. Yes. Shocking news. Derek Bodner said, there was definitely about a week period where things didn't feel uncomfortable enough. It's on us. We should have known better. <laughs> Finally, Harden unleashes his uncomfortable uh, campaign. That's great. That's great. Great. I've been waiting. I know. I know. It was, it was a little bit too cordial. 
and now it was now now we're back now we're back to where uh, we needed to be one other thing you know I, I mentioned that Saar and and Lindy playing in the first quarter yeah said a lot to me also the fact that Keontae and Bertans were getting minutes in the fourth quarter ahead yeah. of Jack White and Trey Mann like it's hard not to to see the writing on the wall uh with some of these stuff yeah yeah I think like those are the two that are being considered and I won't be surprised either way with what happens either way. I think if I were to, if I were a betting man, mm. I'd probably say Jack White goes. But I said I think it's either a Jack White wave or a Trey Man trade. If there's a if there's a trade that comes about for Trey, I think that's going to yeah. happen. If there's no trade, I think they'll just wave Jack. Yeah. That would um, be my expectation. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyways, go get your down to dunk night tickets. Uh, before the game, we're going to meet probably between like 4.45 and 5. I know it sounds early, but the game starts at 6.30. Um, but we're going to meet at Spark, which is just across the street from the arena, uh, to get some food and do some meet and greet and hangout time. Uh, we have sold a lot of tickets to this. I don't think there's very there can't be that many more available. Uh, but you, I mean, honestly, like we're getting more pumped than Jack for the season. And this is Wimby Chet again. Like you want to be yeah. there. You want to be in the building for this. Uh, Alex, is this round there. three. Uh, I believe that's right. Like you want to be there for this, and it's an in-season tournament game. You don't want to miss that. Uh, so go ahead and buy your tickets for that. If you buy the ticket for this event, you will also get to go on the court with us after the game, take a big group picture, and then have a chance to take a half-court shot to win tickets to a future thunder game this season um so yeah got to do that wow what do you think about that <laughs> uh, i like it he is such a goob <laughs> in every way uh if you're not watching on youtube uh grady dick was in a magazine apparently <laughs> uh a fashion little fashion segment with yes him. and uh, there's some great photos coming out of it of course i love grady dick uh, yeah, part of me wishes he, he was on the Thunder. <laughs> Imagine if this guy was on the Thunder, how much fun we'd be having. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's a see-through sweater he's wearing. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's such a weirdo. He's so funny. He's His personality is probably the exact opposite of Case Oh, my gosh. Personality. Could you imagine your media day interview with Dude. Grady Dick? Dude. That would have... I'm getting sad. I'm getting, I'm getting really views. sad thinking about it because he would have been so funny <laughs> he would have been amazing in, in in how oklahoma are you uh situation oh i did like gosh. the question from uh it was one of the first ones you released asking i think it was giddy asking if he was gonna supposed to add a hat for every correct question yeah and you're like that's actually a really good idea <laughs> i, I kind of wish you had done that and a uh, part of me is like am i gonna are these guys really gonna want to wear these hats and then giddy suggests that not only is he gonna wear the hat he's gonna wear all of them at one time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that would have been, been cool that would have been really cool uh yeah shout out to grady dick and um you know maybe one day grady dick will play for the thunder and we can have him on down to dunk and it'll be preposterous it'll be a preposterous time it'll be so good who um, knows who knows he might be a second draft guy for the thunder one day hey he could be he could be the the raptors are heading nowhere fast 
So. He, he could be the guy they go all in for. <laughs> he all in <laughs> trades for Grady Dick. <laughs> five, five firsts and giddy for Grady Dick. It's gonna be Let's amazing. Let's go. Uh, okay, so the Thunder made a trade yesterday with the Houston Rockets. They solved some of their roster crunch issues by trading away Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which we had all kind of seen the writing on the wall for that, and Victor Oladipo. Um, they acquired two second-round picks, um, which are second rounds in the future not owned by Houston. It's Milwaukee, and then who's the other one? I didn't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, uh, I forgot. And then they acquired Kevin Porter Jr. and like in like the tweet from Woj, uh, like the Thunder one obviously wanted to make it clear that they were waving him right away. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's. It's a unfortunate situation that has that Kevin Porter Jr. has put himself in and that he's a terrible person and has done terrible things. And it puts the teams in a weird spot, um, particularly the Rockets, who could have just waived him. They decided not to. Um, they used this opportunity to save money. Um, the Thunder used this opportunity to acquire more assets. It is clearly, um, from like the Thunder standpoint, like a very like on paper deal. Like they were going to spend this money anyways. They're, it was just going to happen. And so, I I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that like the way that you feel if it makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to say you shouldn't feel uncomfortable. If it makes you feel weird, I'm not going to say you shouldn't feel weird. If it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, I'm not going to say you should feel uncomfortable. I think that this is a league-wide problem that needs to be solved by the NBA because it puts these teams in a position to do things that are beneficial for them basketball-wise. Like What was done yesterday was mutually beneficial for both teams. However, it is it just leaves everybody with just kind of like this ugh like I hate like I hate this like this sucks like this is terrible like what this guy KPJ is going to get paid anyways so like does it really matter who pays him what really matters is like the the league should have some provision where a salary should be frozen and they should be frozen from being traded and like there should just be some provision for situations like this um where and and I don't know I, I can't sit here and say like contracts should be voided because there's it's it's allegations at this point, um, it's all just gross and I wish the league had a better um, provision set in place to where this stuff just like can't happen like you can't do it, um, but it, for the Rockets and the Thunder it was just a paper transaction for them but there should be a way to for Kevin Porter Jr. to not get paid. <laughs> and like that's that's the thing that I feel most gross about is like he still is getting paid for the productive basketball time he had with Houston. Jerry, because uh Jerry we really liked him. Yeah. Season. Yeah. Uh by all accounts very nice guy. Super nice guy. Uh, Super duper guy. Had, really really liked Jeremiah. Yeah. You know, his best week was probably that week when Sam Vecini Gave him an honorable mention in the rookie ladder. Yeah, you know that that was yeah, kind of yeah, peak yeah. Jerry. Uh, along alongside that was probably the same week where there was the video of him guarding James Harden on the perimeter. 
moving those hips. You know, we were, we were pretty hyped. And you certainly understand why the Thunder were interested in Jerry originally. Yeah, definitely. Um, because he, he showed enough shooting promise where you think he's going to be able to stay on the court. And defensively, he just looked really versatile in, in that rookie season. Um, second season, you know, if he had come in a year earlier, he would have gotten a much longer runway mm-hmm. and his career would have may have turned out a lot different. But because he got a pretty serious ankle injury, by all accounts, it just totally upended his second season. And by the time he got back, like it just didn't look like the same guy. Yeah. Whether it's like lost confidence, whatever it was, it was just not the same player we had seen in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. So I do think, you know, there's the potential that there's still a player there. Yeah. But I also don't know, uh, you know, how quick, because uh, like he he didn't look great in preseason either. Um, mm-hmm. So so I don't know how long that's going to take for him to get back to where he was. Yeah. Uh, but I liked Jerry. Enjoyed watching him play, especially his rookie season. Yep. And I hope he gets a shot. I mean, the Rockets are a team that are thin mm-hmm. at their big position. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got obviously Shingun, uh, but then. You know, there's a lot of guys after that that you aren't like, oh, he's he obviously deserves minutes. You know, whether it's like Boban or, or whoever, J- Jock Landale is there. Yeah. Um, so if he did show out a little bit, you know, in practice, I could see a path to Jerry getting minutes. Yeah. Um, in the future, uh, Oladipo obviously is just like a contract thing. Yeah. Um, you know, with the KPJ thing, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to get yelled at again for a second straight day by a bunch of five-follower <laughs> accounts on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, I just uh, – I, I understand the situation. I understand that he was going to get traded. I understand that he's going to get paid no matter what. I just didn't want my team to be on the other end of it. I didn't want to see his name and the Thunder in the same sentence. And you can say that that's being overly sensitive, and that's fine. I'll accept that. Um, <laughs> but I'm not asking you to feel that way. I'm just telling you I just didn't want to see his name anywhere associated with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all. It stops there. It doesn't mean I hate Sam Presti. doesn't mean that I think he's done this awful, terrible thing. It uh, doesn't mean I'm going to stop rooting for the team. I just didn't like this particular trade, and I don't think that uh, the return is that exciting. You know, like, if I wasn't excited about their second-round picks when they were around, like, 13 and 14, mm-hmm. I'm certainly not going to get excited when they're at their 21st and 22nd second-round picks in the next seven years. Right. I, I think there is value to having second round picks. A lot of people sharing, you know, the provisions in the new CBA that are going to make those second round picks more valuable. Mm-hmm. That's true to a point. And at some point, you could have too many. I mean, we all agree that at some point, if you had 50 second round picks, well, they are, are they all still valuable? No, we would say, okay, well, there is some point. So I don't know where that line is, but I do feel like once you get in the range of 22, we're probably in the range where it this isn't going to matter long term. Yeah. We are going to have so many other picks, including much more valuable picks. Yeah. That uh I like I don't care about the return. I'm not I'm not going to celebrate this as some Presty masterclass because he got a 21st and 22nd pick in the second round pick in the next seven years. <laughs> I just don't care. So yeah. I, I look at it more as uh a roster cutting move similar to the move they did with Houston last year. Yeah. Where they just included yeah. everyone in yeah, the yeah, same yeah. trade. Yeah. They shipped them all out. Um, I will say, of all the guys that have been shipped out like that to Houston, I did like JRE the most. Uh, he yeah. was the player I was most excited about. And for all those reasons I mentioned, it didn't work out. But um, 
I, it's funny though that we've reached this point of the off season. They are only one cut away now. And like, who's the guy you're feeling bad about? Who we pound? Who's getting pounced on? Who's getting pounced on? Yeah, there's. I don't think there's. It it, it did not come to fruition. Yeah. Um, it no. seems like Reggie Bullock was probably the best player that got waived this offseason, mm-hmm. who got immediately snapped up on a real contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Garuba got a two-way. Uh, Ty Ty got a two-way. Ty Ty got a two-way. Rudy Gay got um, a camp invite. Teo from last year got a two-way. Yeah. But, yeah, there's just not... Veet. We, we have not actually reached that point yet. Which is funny, because we were talking about <clears throat> a roster crunch last offseason. Yeah. Clearly ended up not mattering. Didn't have any <laughs> real emotions attached to anything. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like we're headed that way this year, especially if Jack White gets cut, who we don't really know anyways. We haven't seen him play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I think for some Thunder fans, if Trey ends up being that final cut, that will be significant because yeah, there was just, a lot of yeah, hype behind Trey. Yeah, they just cut Trey. him. Yeah. Yeah, th- there was a lot of hype behind Trey. He obviously had some incredible moments, mm-hmm. uh, much much more impressive moments than JRE in terms of like scoring 30 in Boston, like something that you like really remember, like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy's ceiling is, is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a moment. Um, but otherwise, we've kind of kind of escaped scot free in terms of feeling terrible about all these extra picks we're having. Yeah, it was it was a little bit weird. It, even like Brian Windhorse is like still like thinks that a good player is going to get cut, which I'm just kind of baffled by because he was. It's like, still so funny. He said Isaiah Joe when Isaiah Joe was the first guy off the bench last like, night. It's like wait, like you don't really know what's going on here if you think. It's and he even and he even like would reiterate like yeah I know it's not going to be Isaiah Joe but then like why would you even say it like what like, what's <laughs> going on here um, that was weird he still thinks that somebody good is going to get cut and then when it's Jack White I think they're going to be like oh well never mind <laughs> you know I mean it's just yeah. it's a for some reason some somebody in some other front office has been talking about it to people and like. The truth is, like, there's not anybody there. I mean, I when I was on with Zach Lowe, like, two months ago, he was talking about it, and, like, he brought up Isaiah Joe and brought up, like, Poku, and I was like, wait a minute, like, those those aren't the guys getting cut. Like, yeah. Like, the, the guys that aren't good are going to get cut or traded. Right. Um. So, it's just, it's funny. For whatever reason, like, that's being, like, passed around the NBA. Like, it's... Like oh something something crazy is gonna happen here. The Thunder just have too many guys. It's like actually they really don't. Like I I think that if Jeremiah doesn't land in Houston, I think a team like Boston or a team like the Bucks could use somebody like that. You know, and like maybe yeah. he helps them. You know, but we're talking about like a fourth or fifth big. We're not talking about like a a guy that could potentially like be a sixth man or something. Like it's just. It's a little yeah, not really pounce worthy. Yeah, there's there's no there's no pounceable players that are going to be maybe cut. like gander worthy. Taking a gander at a guy. Yeah, there's only been ganders taken at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's just kind of whatever. And then like the KPJ thing is like taken care of. Hopefully, I mean the thing that is will be interesting is if like somebody actually gives him another shot. You know. Well, and that that's the one thing. Because I saw that a lot yesterday, where if you were going to spin this positively for OKC, you would say, well, they're the team that gets to banish this guy from the league. You yeah. Know? Even though that's going to happen every place. But 
I do think that's a little naive because if you look at the Miles Bridges situation, we had so much more evidence in that situation. You know, we had the visual evidence, we had the medical report. Yeah. And he got an $8 million contract, Mm -hmm. you know, even with that. So Mm -hmm. I actually don't think it's a guarantee that we do not see KPJ in the league again. And if we don't see him, I think it'll be more because he is not a good basketball player than it is because of any of these allegations. Yeah. Because if Miles Bridges was not a 20 point per game scorer, he probably wouldn't have an $8 million contract right now. Yeah. 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 If If he was putting up Teo Maladon numbers for the Hornets, I think the Hornets would have taken the the noble stand and and cut him from their team. Oh my gosh, the thing that drives this has way more to do with how good these guys are than it does with their actual allegations. Without a doubt, I mean, you think about it too. Like, and John Hamm brought this up. Like, the Thunder waved DeAndre Liggins because of a domestic violence incident. Yeah, that wasn't the last NBA team he played for. You yeah, know? Myers Leonard had his incident. And then got waved by the Thunder. That wasn't the last NBA team he played for. Yeah, who did he play for last year? He was back. He played. Was he signed by Milwaukee? Who yeah, signed him? He played, he played nine games for yeah. Milwaukee. I mean, like, Josh Primo's on the Clippers. Yeah. You know, like, the the, the thing is, like, the yes, we don't like this. But the odds of Kevin Porter Jr. being back in the NBA – I think are pretty strong. They're higher than you want to believe they are. Yeah. It's I I would bet that KPJ will put on an NBA uniform again with somebody. And that to me would be the that that to me is just not good. I think that cuz I one I just don't think he's a very good player that helps like impact winning. And then two, like why would you want somebody with that kind of character on your team? You know, what would be gross for the even grosser for the Thunder is if they were like, you know what? We think that the 17 million and the 1 million guaranteed next oh, God. year if they, if they is really, just is really valuable. <laughs> yeah. And not only is this a paper suck. transaction now, but we're going to hang on to him. Um, you may- have to like give him a number. Yeah. Maybe we have, maybe that, maybe there's a situation where he, we need that kind of contract. We can pair him with Bertans and get to 35 million and you know, like that to me would be like the true like oh my gosh like there there was an opportunity there for like the thunder to like even be more cold and calculating, um, yeah than they sure. were yesterday like there was yeah an because opportunity frankly there. they gave up something by getting off the old depot contract because that is someone they could have kept on the roster for the whole season no yes. one really cares and he could serve as salary ballast for some trade in the future mm-hmm. by trading for kpj and waving him immediately you give up that opportunity yeah now they obviously made a calculation that wow get, getting two picks you know at well it ends up being like four picks for oladipo yeah it's probably better than anything we're going to get at the trade deadline if we just keep oladipo mm-hmm. um but yeah, if, if they had kept KPJ's contract as salary ballast, that would have uh, not been uh, fun. Yeah, or they could be like, about. you know, like this is a talented player. Like we can keep him around. Let's just see how everything goes legally, and maybe he gets away, and then we can plug him in. And like, look, he can actually shoot. He can actually do these things. And then like we trade him at the deadline. Like there's there were ways for this to look even more disgusting. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, that, what sure. what happened yesterday was not like I mean. It's it's not what anybody wants. Like no no, I don't think anybody like leaves the situation just feeling just so awesome. But there were definitely ways for this to be way worse 
than it was. And and then in that case, I think I would be a little bit more outspoken than I was yesterday about hey, it. Um, hey, speaking of Josh Primo, uh, I saw something that I had never heard before, which was Mitch Kupchak talking about that draft, uh-huh. the 2021 draft, uh-huh. and saying that the Thunder had offered them a ton to move up to 11. Interesting. And I'd never heard that before. And looking at who went in that range, mm-hmm. I do wonder if Primo would have been the target at that time. I, I, um, I've i heard not from like direct sources, but I've heard from, from just chatter around the league that the Thunder did want Primo. Really? Yeah. Uh, I just never heard that before. And for some reason, I, I read some <laughs> Mitch Kupchak quote where he directly said it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was looking through the names and I was like, yeah, I mean, I would have wanted Moses Moody at that time, but looking at the names it's like mm, yeah i bet they would have taken josh primo yeah i uh, think i i i think that that might have been the case and um, obviously the spurs took him so i mean yeah i mean i don't think like the spurs took him like man we're taking a you know t- taking a chance on this big perv and just hope it works out you right, know right like, right you know yeah. you just don't know like i don't think anybody knew where yeah this isn't getting. this isn't an anti okc thing it's just like I had never heard that story and looking yeah. at the names. I think it yeah, obviously yeah. would have been Primo. Yeah, I think so too. I think like the hope was that Primo would be there at 17 where Trey was. Yeah, yeah. Because I think in a lot of draft situations, he probably would have been. Yeah, he. I mean, that was definitely seen as a big shock when he went as high as he did. Yeah, yeah. And it obviously has not worked out. And, you know... The, the Spurs handled it in the best way possible, just waving him immediately, you know, when they found out about the situation, you know, whereas, yeah. like, Houston could have just waved KPJ. Um, well, I actually read, I don't know if that's true. Okay. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I was reading a little bit more about it yesterday, and apparently the league had put, they had done something where it wasn't actually possible for the Rockets to waive him well, immediately. And that's, him. and that's why they were seeking a trade oh, because okay. that was actually the method that would allow him to be waived by another team. Okay. Um, and, and it, it was, I was reading that Jake Fisher article um, because he mentioned that like they had a lot of trouble making this trade mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. regardless of what you think about, you know, the, 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 the Thunder's position in it, uh, there were a lot of teams that just didn't want to get involved for those exact reasons. Yeah. Like they just didn't want to be associated with yeah, no question. him, e- even if, even if they got picks. Um, so yeah, I think there was something like that where they actually weren't able to waive him immediately. Well, I mean that, that even to me, like as, as gross as it felt, like if that's the only way to make it happen, to like wave him out of the league, then like they did what had to be done. You know, and they both got some benefit out of it and did what had to be done. And so, I don't know. I'm not telling anybody to feel good about it, <laughs> but I'm just saying, no, like, no, no. like it just is. Like it's just like one of those things that is, and it, w- it will be out of the front of our minds in just a few days when like the NBA season starts. And it probably yeah. Is and anyways. I will say, like I think the game I, itself last night got it out of the front of our minds, anyways. Definitely, and and the. You know, from what we can tell from the outside, like the quality of human beings that they're bringing in yeah. to this organization does make you feel good. Um, but I think like any NBA fan base, like worries about this eventually happening to their team one day. Because I was reading that article by, I think his name is James Dator. 
Dater. He's an Australian guy who became a Hornets fan back in the mid nineties because, you know, back then the Hornets were like the coolest team in the league. Oh yeah. Kind of like the Thunder are today. Like they were just Mm -hmm. seen as super cool. Uh, I was about to say that they both had super cool jerseys. Everyone really liked. Uh, (laughs) Really cool starter jackets. Yeah. He wrote a really good article yesterday for SB Nation just talking about how he's kind of given up. He's giving up his fandom this year just because of the way the team has handled the Miles Bridges situation. Yeah. And I think that's completely fair. And I think it's also fair for Hornets fans who are just like, hey, this is my team. I'm not going to let this one guy ruin my fandom. Like eventually this franchise will be bigger than Miles Bridges or the people making these decisions. And I'm going to stick with them. I think both of those perspectives are completely fine. It's more just the team that the franchise is putting the fan base in those positions, um, which just bothers me, like forcing fans to have to confront, like to, to not be able to just enjoy their basketball team because they just can't handle these things. Um, and so I just hope that never happens to the thunder, obviously, because mm-hmm. it seems miserable for mm-hmm. Hornets fans. Um, and and we like all the guys on this team, and I hope it continues that way. They all seem wonder like wonderful people. Yeah, I think they genuinely are, like really really good guys, like guys worth rooting for. It's very easy to root for this team. Yeah, which feels very good. Yeah, without a doubt. Especially like having kids now, like yeah, feeling feeling proud. Yeah, feeling proud to root for the Thunder. Yeah, that's, no question. That's important. Yeah, I, I want my kids to root for the Thunder. You know, like I think it's. It's a. They're gonna, obviously going to be a very fun, good team, but like the quality of the character of these guys is. I think it's. I think it's legit. I think they're really good. Um, all right. So what's the next game? I think we play a team from overseas. No, they play Detroit on Friday in Tulsa. Oh, another Detroit game. Yep. Wahoo! Will yep. Cade be playing? Uh, I have no idea. I w- I assume that he would be. Since this is like this should be the both teams' last preseason game. So, oh man, real quick, I saw uh, James Edwards the third uh, wrote an article about the like ten man rotation because apparently Monty Williams wants to play a ten man rotation. Yeah, and he was like open to the idea that they might trade Alec Burks because they're confident in uh, Killian Hayes. Oh boy, which. Regardless of what you think of Killian Hayes, whether they should give him, you know, more shots, <laughs> the idea that they might trade like one of their few guys who you trust their shot just sounded insane to me. Like they, they were coming up with some like Houston deals to send Alec Burks to Houston, and what I was like, man, I, it's not like Alec Burks is some amazing player. He's not like an all star or anything, but on that team, I really feel like he plays an important role. And if they didn't have him, like just the lack of shooting terrifies me with the Pistons. We're going to get into it this Friday on uh, Slam and Jam. We're going to be talking about surprise teams yeah. finally. But uh, that that is like one of the biggest red flags for me of this preseason, just the lack of shooting. I mean, some of those lineups we saw last time that OKC played Detroit. Yeah. I'm interested to see if they can find any better ones. Maybe Bogdanovich is back now and it'll look better. But yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't feel good about the Pistons season. I don't, especially hearing that. It's like, is that what is that? Like, why? Why do they do that? Is this like a? I don't know. Like doubling down on like, no, no, no. Killian Hayes is gonna be good. And so, and so, in his ten man rotation, he had Monte Morris out of the rotation, and he had what? Alex Burks as as a possible trade candidate. Yeah, and this what? is based. I mean, you know, James, like he's sourced. Like yeah, he's not he's just like making this stuff anybody. up. 
Monte, and why so, would you trade for Monte Morris then? I know. Like if I felt like those vets were going to be really important to whatever the Pistons were going to do. We but, were talking about how Monty and Monty were going to be very big for them. I know. I know. What's going on here? Like this is bizarre. That's like that. I would be so concerned. So 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 concerned. Yeah. If I were a Pistons fan, like that's insane. Um, yeah, Matt Noonan's right. I don't know why I thought it was Friday. The they play tomorrow night in Tulsa. Tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. Thursday. The BOK Thursday night in Tulsa. The BOK uh, should be fun to watch. The that's usually a well attended game because it's in Tulsa, right? Yeah. 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 I hope they. Um, I hope. I hope everybody shows out, and I hope the Thunder play a lot of their their best guys, a lot of minutes. Um, and I hope to see a lot of a lot of Monty Morris <laughs> in Tulsa. <laughs> uh, hey, go get your tickets down to Dunk Night. It is uh, pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. Even if you don't have a Twitter account, just Google Down to Dunk Twitter, and then you can pull it up and click the link. Uh, limited seats left it's going to be so much fun you don't want to miss out on that night it's going to be great um hope you guys are doing well and we will talk to you guys again on friday As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.